everyone. Welcome to the pod. My name is Paige. And I'm Emily. And we're two beachgoers wondering why that beefy kid over there looks so fucking angry. And you're listening to Tuesdays Are for Twilight. Once again, I am asking, what is good? Honestly, you know, I feel like there's a lot of good going on right now. I bought two, I'm making two of my favorite recipes tonight. I don't know what so inspired me to do two at one time, but you know what? Why not? One is pretty easy. It's just a pasta salad recipe that, you know, I'll literally just cook the pasta and while the pasta's cooking, prep everything else, put it in a bowl and then mix everything up. So that one really isn't that hard, but it's delicious. My mom used to make it. I mean, I'm sure she still does. We would bring it to every like Super Bowl party or potluck kind of a thing. And it always gets compliments. I honestly, it's like, it's so delicious. Basically like red wine vinegar, garlic powder, garlic salt, uh, so assorted like, I don't know if you're a black olive fan, artichoke hearts, like some of those things, feta cheese, Parmesan cheese. It's just, it's all very good. I love it. So I'm going to make that. And then I also am going to make this loaded baked potato casserole recipe that I have. Again, not very not healthy, but delicious. Very good. I am once again asking, drop the recipe for that pasta salad. I I honestly don't want to drop the recipe because I want to keep it a secret. It, we, I, we used to call it the Chardier family secret pasta salad, but my mom literally got it from one of her friends. So it's literally not. But no one has to know. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> well, if you just shared it with me, I feel like that's your pr- a small price to pay for salvation, a.k.a. that pork tenderloin recipe that I gave you. Okay. You got me there. You got me there. I, I'll text it to you right now. Okay. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I have pulled pork cooking in my crock pot right now. So the aroma has been bothering me. Like, not bothering me. The aroma has been tempting me all day. Bothering you, but in a good way. Yes. There's got to be a word for that. Yeah, I feel like that's literally my entire occupation with Jacob, bothering him, but in a good way. (laughs) I'm sorry, but that's like the girlfriend's role, is like, we are meant to be menaces, but also hot. Passenger princesses and menaces. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I bet, look, if you want me to be cute and you want to also touch my butt, you have to drive the car. I'm sorry, but these are gender roles that I will stick to. (laughs) Amen. I want to put my feet out the window. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if my feet can reach. Yeah, probably not. But you can use your imagination. Okay. Um, trying to think about... I feel like you do such a good job of sharing stuff about your personal life. And then whenever I'm, like, asked about myself, either on this podcast or also in daily life, I'm like, oh, Rockies have been looking good. You know, <laughs> I just don't know what to say. Have they been looking good? I feel like historically they haven't been. No, I wouldn't know because I don't really. The only baseball team I keep up on is the Yankees, and that's against my will. So I wouldn't know. But I feel like, no, probably not. They're usually pretty bad. Yeah, the only time that the Rockies, I feel like, were remotely good was the one time they made it to the World Series against the Red Sox. And everyone in class, I think it was sixth or seventh grade, and everyone in class was so excited for the Rockies. And my mom's from Massachusetts, so the whole family are, I mean, I'm I'm like 
quote unquote a Red Sox fan like I support them do I really care that much no I don't but like you know if someone wants to take me to a Red Sox game sure I I like that I don't know who plays for the team but I know how baseball works and I'll support them um but I remember just like rubbing it in everyone's face that like the Red Sox won and now looking back I'm like that probably was mean probably shouldn't have been such a bitch about it but you know whatever we live and we learn. I don't remember you being a bitch about it, but it's also because I didn't care. <laughs> um, a thing about me is that I recently redyed my hair black, so I'm back to my goth self. I went, tried to go like silvery blonde. I don't know if I've talked about this on the pod. If I have, sorry. But at the beginning, in like of the summer, in like May, I went to my hairstylist and I was like, I want to have silvery blonde, and she was like. That's unrealistic. <laughs> because, I mean, I, she could do it, but she would fry my hair off. That has happened to me with a different hairstylist. So I appreciate that she was, she kept it real. And she got it as light as she could, but I did not like it. It was very close to my, like, natural color, which is, like, a light brown. And I was not vibing with it. So right before Paige's birthday, actually, last weekend, I got it redyed. And now I'm, I'm rocking. I'm wearing my all-black outfits. I'm feeling good. Move over, hot girl summer. We are moving into goth girl fall. Finally. It's about goddamn time. <laughs> um, Let's hit a recommendations corner. I'll go first. I want to recommend Greek yogurt. Have I done this before? I think you have. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Fuck. Okay, I'm going to start over. <laughs> no, don't. I, I say double down. Now I have another one loaded up, so it's okay. Um, I want to recommend chia seeds, you know, like chia pets, but in seeds. I like to imagine that to make them, they just shred up chia pets. No, that's mean. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But you can put them in everything, and they it's a little extra protein, a little extra fiber. I like it. And they pretty much, I, like, I used to put them in smoothies back when I used to drink smoothies, and it's like, you can't taste it. You can't taste them at all. They're very flavorless. Yes, I agree. Anyways, what's your recommendation? My recommendation, now I'm wondering if I've recommended this. Let me know. Um, my recommendation is root beer. I'm going to recommend it diet because I drink diet soda, um, diabetes, you know. Um, but honestly, just root beer in general. I have been on a, a semi-root beer kick. Emily came to visit me in June, and I had just started the root beer kick and this is going to be a long story but basically I ordered a cup from my childhood that I found on eBay um and I used to drink root beer out of it and so now the root beer kick has been reignited because I want to drink root beer out of the cup that I used to drink root beer out of there's probably something fucked up in my brain I should probably go to therapy for that but no one has time for it um so anyways, it's just so delicious. It's spicy. It's sweet. It's carbonated. It just reminds me of summer. It makes me think of simpler times. I just love a root beer. Yeah, I support that. And I also don't think it's fucked up. I mean, of all the things you could go to therapy for, I feel like that's low on the list. <laughs> Hold up. Not you specifically. I just mean people in general. You're right. There is a tenement of this podcast that we should enjoy don't be afraid to find joy in the things that we find joy in. 
So I, I definitely stand by it. I probably should branch out and try other things, but but I digress. I long story short, my recommendation is root beer. Love it. Love it. Um, okay, well, we have a shorter chapter this week, um, but I just kind of wanted to dip our toes into what it's like to read a book narrated by Jacob. So we've had that short, I think it was an epilogue, but this is a, a full chapter. So what did you think of this first foray, Paige? I feel like Stephanie had a great use of word choice in this. I feel like she really did a good job of pinning down Jacob's voice. Immediately off the bat, looking at the first page, my eye is drawn to the word crappy. On top of all of the like italicizations of words for emphasis, like I feel like we didn't see that a lot with Bella. I just feel like the voice was different. And I appreciate that it did allow me to put my brain into a new person's first point of view. So I think that Stephanie did a, a good job at that. And I feel like Jacob is also interestingly specific about things that I don't think Bella necessarily would be like the fact that he's he talks about Doritos again I'm looking at the first page I feel like Bella would just say chips I I don't think that Bella would specify that they were Doritos I just I really think that Stephanie did a good job of making this a different voice so I did appreciate that. I think it's hilarious. The next chapter also has a really long name. I love that Jacob is choosing to do really long names for chapter titles. I I don't know why I think that's very funny. Um, a lot of cursing, which is very on, on brand for Jacob. A lot of exclamation points too. He has a lot of emotion, which I think is nice to see in a male character. I mean, a lot of the emotion is anger, which I'm like, we could, we could maybe have a little bit more, but you know, I like, I like some non-blandness um for content of this chapter i don't know i don't know if i how how much i enjoyed it per se the whole beach thing with uh who was it uh quill that one that was weird that was weird um kind of forgot about that whole situation so reading it was kind of gross um, also, why? I don't know. Um, also, I forgot that Jacob had a sister. I literally forgot about Rachel. I, I, yeah, I, I think it's hilarious that Paul imprinted on her. Like, of course, nothing good is going right with Jacob's life right now. Um, and I genuinely thought that he was going to find out about the pregnancy in this chapter. So with how he reacted without knowing the pregnancy I'm a little afraid for what is to come I think it's gonna be nothing but bad yeah especially how ominous this chapter ended yeah yeah it's once again like how new moon ended no it's once again how eclipse ended I like obviously these chapters are from his perspective so the next chapter is going to pick up from his perspective but what is he going to be doing like are we going to have another time jump I was very proud that I I predicted the time jump thing correctly because clearly Bella has been home for some time I'm proud of you too howsoever I want to make sure you read the last sentence of this chapter because I feel like your vibes are indicating that you didn't <laughs> 
Let's go to it real quick. I know, I know, I know. I I just, I'm picturing, like, him showing up at the Cullen house and getting absolutely pwned. Like, I just, I can't, not that I, like, took light of it, but I'm like, I just don't know what you think you're going to accomplish. Like, I, I think he's going to show up. I mean, I don't, I don't want to be making predictions at the beginning of the episode, but, like, in my head, I read that, and I'm like, he's literally going to show up at the Cullen house. He's going to hear Bella in pain. He's going to lose all his anger and emotion and rush to her side and see that she's pregnant. And, and like, I, all of the Cullens are there. He's, I, I don't know what he thinks he's going to do. That's fair. That's fair. When you said, like, how Eclipse ended, I thought you were saying that he was going to run off into the woods again, like he tells, like he basically implies to the pack that he's doing. He, like, the big paragraph on the last page where he talks about, like, just returning back to being a wolf and being, having simple animal needs and desires that are so easy to fill, like, that's kind of what I was referencing, that, like, he, this is what he wants to do. He wants to get his revenge and then just live a sad wolf life. I mean, who among us hasn't wanted that at some point? Yeah. Before we get too far in, I wanted to ask your thoughts on A, the epigraph, B, the, if we can even call it that, the preface. <laughs> so I'll read the epigraph first. Let's talk about that first. And yet, to say the truth, reason and love keep little company together nowadays. And that's from one of the best Shakespeare plays, uh, Midsummer Night's Stream, in my opinion. So I have not read this one. I had to look up what it was about. I have heard of it, um, but I've never read it. And reading specific, because there's a lot going on in this play, like reading the Wikipedia synopsis, there's like eight different storylines going on. So I was like, well, I'm going to jump to scene three or act three, scene one, because I need to know exactly what is being referenced in this, because it seems very, like, the words pretty much fit, but for it to, I don't know, it just seemed like a very specific choice, so I was like, let me look, and we know that Stephanie has been pretty on point with her designating literary references to overarching themes of stories, so this particular act there's a gal and she is in the woods. She's, I think she's asleep. She's been, she's asleep. Someone has put a love potion on her and she's asleep. Um, there's this guy that's in the woods. I think his name was Bottom. Um, he runs into an, an, a fairy, I think. And the fairy transforms him into a half man half donkey or half horse something along along those lines and bottom does not realize this has happened um so he goes back to his his group of i think he's from a um troop of actors if you will and they don't recognize him they think that he's a demon so he like runs off into the woods and to comfort himself, he starts singing this beautiful song, and it awakens the woman in the woods. I think her name was, like, Theonia or something like that. It was a TH name. And she awakens under the spell of this love potion and sees this half-horse, half-man, and falls madly in love with him. And the girl's estranged lover sees them. And is like, 
he feels some kind of way about the situation. And I'm like, hmm, yes, very, very specific literary choices here, Stephanie. Girl falls in love with a half animal, half man creature. And this other love triangle man watches in probably anger and jealousy, perhaps. Um, very, very on the nose, if you will. You always bring it with the the research into the literary references. Um, I saw Midsummer Night's Dream like six times the summer that I worked for the Shakespeare Festival because we would put on three plays. And so one of them was Julius Caesar and the other one was that one. And then the third one was like not Shakespeare or something else. Anyways, so we could just like kind of watch whenever and very good play. But I didn't remember the specifics. Like I now that you're saying the scene, I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, but yeah, I think it applies really well to this situation, but also just like taken out of context too. I also think the quote applies because like Jacob obviously is still in love with Bella. Like that's clear from this first chapter, but he knows that it's like, it's over for him. So like in that sense, he has no reason to still love her, but yeah. I think also, I mean, just a, a theme for this first chapter, as I've already mentioned, the weirdness of Quill and what's the little girl's name? Claire. Claire. Um, just the, the concept of imprinting is just so unknown and weird. And like even Jacob doesn't really, none of the wolves really understand why it happens. Like it's just kind of a thing, a weird thing. So applying that quote to just like the the thought of imprinting, which was brought up in this chapter, reason and love keep little company together nowadays. There's not really any rhyme or reason for it, but there is this deep love, this deep passion. And that's that. Like they like they're not they're not really together. Like it doesn't make sense but there's a lot of love. If it did make sense, maybe there wouldn't be love. I don't know if that makes, I don't know if that translates how it's going in my head, but like, that's kind of what I, how I interpreted it as like, this section is probably going to be just like weird loves that no one can explain. Yeah, I get what you're saying. That's interesting. Do you have anything else on the epigraph? No, um, I seeing the like the lettering of the italicized words, it did remind me when I was flipping through because um, I had my bookmark in unexpected because obviously that's where I stopped the last time that we were reading. And on the first page of unexpected, you see some of Edward's handwriting. And I was just reminded about how much I hate it. <laughs> I know when I was reading it last week, I was like, I wish I could like somehow you're good at this type of thing, like say it in a weird way to like make it sound fancy or whatever. I was gonna say like I'm I'm looking at the sloping letters and reading it in my head like this. Yeah, nobody's doing it like you. I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't throw my hat into that ring. <laughs> what can I say? I'm unique. <laughs> can you go ahead and read us the preface? <clears throat> Page 143. Preface. Life sucks, and then you die. Yeah, I should be so lucky. What do you think about this? Edgelord. He is in his emo era. 
freaking Jacob is in his feels and he is not getting out of them anytime soon. <laughs> Did you kind of understand what he was trying to say? Well, yeah, like he can't die. Like his life sucks and he can't fucking die. He's like, no matter how much he tries, his wounds get healed. And like, eventually we find out, eventually the wolves will age and die. But it's like, eons and with Bella becoming immortal he has to live seeing her forever like this while he is also forever like this yeah yeah <laughs> it's all bad um it kind of has the same energy to me as that one episode of Spongebob where it's like that guy is it Squidward or is it just a random guy I think it's Squidward like staring out the window and the scene around him changes but he has the same expression the whole time you know what I'm talking about it's not Squidward it's some random guy it's a fish and he's like working and then driving home and then sitting in his little like armchair I'm trying to remember the context of it though but it's like it, it's it's a fish it's a random fish yeah, that, that's what it reminded me of, because he's just like, everything sucks. Take Jacob in this scene, implant him into New Moon with Rosalind in the background, and you've nailed it. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. Okay, so then we get into the actual content of the chapter. And like I said, it was pretty short. I didn't have a ton on it, but... And Paige already kind of hit some highlights of it. Um, as she said... Paul is hanging at Jacob's house because Jacob's sister, who I also forgot about, I think he has two, actually, Rebecca and Rachel. That sounds right, but you just, like, pulled those memories out from the depths of my cerebral cortex. <laughs> I also kind of forgot about her, but anyways. So she came back from college, and Paul imprinted on her, so now they're together. Jacob is not amused. He says that. Paul's always around, always eating his stuff. And he didn't like Paul to begin with, so it's very annoying to him. This would piss me the fuck off. I think Jacob is fully justified in this. Like, he has no choice or say in the matter. As soon as I read the line that Paul says that Rachel said to make himself at home, I knew exactly what the situation was. Had not been revealed, but I knew what it was. To see a mother, a dirty lint-licking motherfucker eating my Doritos, my Doritos on my couch in front of my crappy TV, and I don't like the guy? Mm-mm. That's my 13th reason. No, thank you. <laughs> you were so passionate about that. I was not expecting that. I do not share food. I'm very anti-sharing food. Like, I, I think it stems from my allergies and that, like, my food, a lot of times I pay extra for, or I've specifically bought for me to enjoy. Don't eat my food. Don't eat it, Paul. Those do And I also, I'm very passionate about Doritos. So leave my Doritos out of this. <laughs> While you have the same energy, I just remembered that friend of the pod, Gem, sent us something that is going to send you over the fucking edge. God, Gem is always coming through with the things that get me wild. <laughs> They, they sent me, um, it's like a screenshot of, where did it go? Dang it, where is it? Okay, here it is. It's like a screenshot of a Tumblr post. And so the first part is an excerpt from Midnight Sun, which I will read. Then there was the time at lunch when Jessica and Lauren were talking about the number one dream destinations on their bucket lists. Jessica chose Jamaica only to feel immediately one-upped when Lauren countered with the French Riviera. 
Tyler chimed in with Amsterdam, thinking of the famous red light district, and others began and the others began sounding off. I waited anxiously for Bella's answer to the question, but before Mike, parentheses, who liked the idea of Rio, end parentheses, could ask for her take, Eric enthusiastically named Comic-Con and the table erupted in laughter. This Tumblr user, username is GXNYA, captioned this, turns out King Petty taking Bella to Rio for their honeymoon had a lot less to do with Isle Esme and everything to do with sticking it to Mike yet again. My jaw just fucking dropped. I am not surprised. I mean, Stephanie wrote Breaking Dawn before she wrote Midnight Sun. However, she definitely would. Yeah, she did that. 100% he would have. Jem, thank you for sharing. That is, thank you. What was it? NX underscore G-Y? I don't know. I clicked out of it already. Plus, they made a very astute observation. That is 100% on brand with Edward Marie Cullen. I also love that they called him King Petty. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's an accurate nickname. It is, it is. So, Jacob is looking for a fight because he's angry at the world, so he kind of tries to pick one with Paul. Paul is not really in the mood, so Jacob just punches him kind of out of nowhere, breaks his nose, and then leaves his house. <laughs> Honestly, if there was a man... Yeah, no, I'm going to stick with that. If there was a man who I could break their nose and it would it would be fixed, I would definitely punch them in the face. I'd find a reason. <laughs> just any man. Man, un, like, uncapitalized, just very general man. <laughs> um, there is this brief mention, too, of Embry on page 147. Jacob is giving the context of, like, why Rachel's allowed to know that everyone is a werewolf because she is the partner now of Paul. And Jacob says, it made me real sympathetic to kids like Emery and Colin, whose parents didn't know they were werewolves. Emery's mom thought he was going through some kind of rebellious stage. He was permanently grounded for constantly sneaking out, but of course there wasn't much he could do about that. She'd check his room every night and every night it would be empty again. She'd yell and he'd take it in silence and then go through it all again the next day. We tried to talk Sam into giving Embry a break and letting his mom in on the gig, but Embry had said he didn't mind. The secret was too important. That'd be so hard. Can you imagine? It would be hard. I feel like this really shows Embry's maturity in the whole situation. Like being a teenager and just like being okay with that and not being upset with your parents, understanding where they're coming from, but also still understanding the importance of the secret and just taking these punishments in stride and trying to make light of them or find humor in them props to him I mean like it would be super difficult and like to also keep up that jovial spirit like Embry's a good guy I like Embry I know I have stand him from the beginning I love him Mm -hmm. was which one was the friend who changed first was it Quill or was it Embry it was Embry, and then remember it was like kind of scandalous because his mom like never would never say who his dad is. Right, right. So, anyways, a lot of the next part of the chapter is Jacob just stewing on everything with Bella because you know he's like 
wondering if they're going to come back and Bella's going to fake her own death because she's already a vampire or if Edward will have really killed her. It's kind of crazy how wrong Jacob is about Edward, especially so on page 149 is what I'm looking at. It's right towards the top. Or would the murderer, meaning Edward, come home alone, unsuccessful in his attempt to make her one of them, or not even getting that far? Maybe he'd smashed her like a bag of chips in his drive to get some. Like, it's so crazy because that's, like, literally the opposite of what happened. Yeah, and I mean, I I feel like Jacob is definitely one to latch onto this idea, idea even though Bella has... Mi- I, w- I don't want to say she has been direct about this or made it clear, but she has insinuated that she is on board with the sex thing. And I mean, for her to um, allow that information, to give that information to Jacob, to me, I would interpret that as I'm on board with it. Like if I was hesitant, I might not share that. I might be a little more reserved about it. So Bella has stated yeah, we're doing the sex thing. And Jacob has latched onto this idea and twisted it to be like, this is all Edward wants. Edward just wants sex and is taking advantage of Bella. First of all, they're married. So they're allowed to find joy in their physical relationship. Second of all, to like only put it on Edward is like, of course he would. I'm not surprised about that at all. And it really, it he is so wrong. He's so wrong. And like the language he uses is very rude and disrespectful for how considerate and cautious Edward was about the whole situation. Totally. And old fashioned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Jacob's just speculating on all these different ways that they might quote unquote, pull this off. He's like, maybe they'll burn their house down. Maybe they'll just disappear. I'll keep looking for them, though I have forever. And Paige is going to say something. This We're very close to this section on page 149. This is just a mortuary science thing in reading it. So he's talking about that his mom had died in a car accident, which we talked about long, long, long ago. Um, And so he says, would he bring her home, bury her here for Charlie? Closed casket ceremony, of course. My mom's coffin had been nailed shut, dot, 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 dot. I've never heard of that. Like, I never, never have heard of that, of that being a thing, of nailing a casket shut. I've, like, modern times, never heard of that. I'm glad you mentioned that, because I read that, and I thought it was weird, but then I was like, I don't know anything about anything, so that is weird. It's weird, and I, you know, maybe historically it's something people have done. I could totally see it being a superstitious thing where, like, fear of the dead or the dead coming alive or something like that. But I've just, like, in my own, like, history classes and in just knowing, like, casket designs and how they're built, just never heard about them being nailed shut before or the necessity of in the the 2000s i'm assuming that that maybe when this happened maybe in the 90s when his mom had died but like so modern i've never heard of that yeah it's weird if anyone has any insight into that let us know send us an email yeah i'd love to hear <sighs> so jacob says that he wants to attack the treaty right or that he wants to attack the Collins right away because he's sure that the treaty is broken 
Um, but Sam has been very adamant about like, no, they need to break the treaty before we act at all. And honestly, never intended to do anything about it anyways, as we find out later on in the chapter. But Jacob doesn't know that yet. I think everyone else except Jacob, the Cullens and the werewolves have come so far since the beginning. The, when you see the language that's being used by Sam in this chapter about consent, about, you know, them being allies, about them fighting side by side, about just like this bond that they've created, about this level of respect that they've established. They've all come so far. I mean, look at Seth specifically. He's like BFFs with, with Edward now. It's so freaking cute. I'm just really proud of most of them. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Yes. We'll talk about that more when we get to that part. But first... Jacob decides to go walk down to the beach because he hears Quill and the little girl that Quill imprinted on Claire playing together. And yeah, I fully agreed with you. My sum up note for this was, this is so cringe by. <laughs> yeah, we don't even need to like, we could just skip right on over it, honestly. Like it's, it's, it's just, it was hard to read knowing what the dealio is. Like if, if it was just like, him babysitting it would not be weird but knowing the imprinting thing it's very weird yeah yeah it's very weird the only thing that I kind of wanted to say is and we've talked about this before but I feel like never directly is like they just act like her choosing Quill is an inevitability which Jacob says when he is describing what imprinting is to Bella, I think he says like, I don't know if these are the exact words, but he says something along the lines of like, no one could resist that level of commitment and devotion. And I'm like, they could if they didn't like the person. Like Jacob is very committed and devoted to Bella, but she's in love with someone else. Like, it just makes me mad that they act like she has no choice in the matter because she could easily grow up and fall in love with someone else. Yeah, they didn't phrase it like imprinting works on both parties. Like both parties, when they're born, they know like their brains have been hardwired to want this other person. When they meet, they both know it. The way that Jacob phrases it is they can't resist that level of commitment and devotion. That doesn't mean that it's this, it's, it's uh, reciprocated. That's a really good point. It is a really good point. And the fact that like to have her so young be just like always in his business and in his life, it's like give her chance. You know, like if what you say is true and the imprinting thing is true and Jacob even kind of touches on this that like you could do something else. You don't have to be like spending all this time with her. You could wait until she's an adult. And then, like, if it's if you really have imprinted, she'll want you and it will be fine. You don't have to be doing this right now. Like, you don't. Yeah. It's rough to read. Just very upsetting. Yeah. I'm moving on. <laughs> While Quill and Jacob are there together, um, they hear Sam howl, which is like a call for them all to meet. And so they, like, rush, like, Jacob goes right away. Um, Quill has to take Claire to a safe spot, so he takes her to the Clearwater's house. And, 
yeah, so Jacob starts narrating his trip over to meet with the other wolves. And I don't know if this is going to make sense to you. I'm going to try my best to explain it. But it's weird to me that they are, the other characters are reacting to his narration. Because I feel like, I'll point out exactly what I'm talking about in a second. But like, this is more of that thing that we hate that Bella does at the beginning of every chapter of like Edward Cullen comma my fiance who's also a vampire born in 1918 like all that expository stuff I feel like Jacob is doing that here to get us back into like the pack exposition but then people are reacting to it and it's fucking weird so there's two different instances that this happens he is narrating to the audience that he hates it when Sam, like, does an edict, I think is the word they use later on or whatever. But, like, yeah, the word edict is right there. Is like, an order from Sam, and they have no choice but to obey it. And he's, like, explaining to the reader that he hates when they do that. And then other people, both times, actually, it's Leah responding to his narration. She says, so self-absorbed all the time. Then later... The next page, Jacob is again narrating to the reader. I heard Leah move faster, too. She hated being outrun. Being fastest was the only edge she claimed. And she says, claim this, moron, and speeds up. I'm like, why is she reacting? It just felt so, it like took me out of the moment. I was like, this is fucking weird. I didn't notice that until you said it. But you're 100% right. I feel like it was a clever, quote unquote, clever way to paint Leah as the bitch. I feel like it was a way that Stephanie allowed her voice to come through as abrasive or as interjecting where she quote unquote doesn't belong. I feel like this was a ploy to be able to do that. Yeah, I think you're right. I also think it's just lazy writing. Like, have Jacob say something to her instead of, like, this weird... It's almost like breaking the fourth wall, but more uncomfortable. Yeah, it's... it's You know what it is? You know what it is? And I, I'm not trying to equate a work of masterful art to Twilight. But, you know, like, it, it's reminiscent to me of Lizzie McGuire when, like, Lizzie is, like, talking to the camera and then her little cartoon self is like hey but what about this girlfriend and they like interact with each other it's like what's going on here there's a lot of moving parts here who's talking to who I thought you were talking to me are you like it's a lot that is a really great comparison yeah <laughs> work of art amen <laughs> okay so they're all gathering up it's clear something has happened because like Sam wouldn't have called them all together. I assume like, I just interpret it as they have like patrols where they like, and they have like shifts where everyone takes turns or whatever, like just protecting their land. So like if he's calling them all together, like some tea is about to be spilled. So that tea is that Seth was at his own house and Billy was over and Charlie called Billy to tell her that, to tell Billy that Bella was back, but is really sick. Could you actually just read the entire italicized paragraph on page 159? 
Okay. So he's all flipped out. Guess Edward and Bella got home last week and yeah, bro, here's the bad news. Charlie talked to her, said she sounded bad. She told him she's sick. Carlisle got got on and told Charlie that Bella picked up some rare disease in South America, said she's quarantined. Charlie's going crazy because he's not allowed to see her. He says he doesn't care if he gets sick, but Carlisle wouldn't bend. No visitors. Told Charlie it was pretty serious, but that he's doing everything he can. Charlie's been stewing about it for days, but he called Billy now. He said she sounded worse today. Then the next two lines are also very profound. The mental silence when Seth finished was profound. We all understood. Yeah. So Jacob takes this to mean that, like, Bella's going to fake die from this disease as a cover for her becoming a vampire. He goes into, like, all these different, like, factors and speculations and the rest of the pack is, like, (laughs) that eyeball emoji with the lips in between. Like, I haven't thought about this. (laughs) I, I mean, I don't blame any of them Bella and Edward were shocked about the situation and they're there you know like of course their minds wouldn't go to something other than this I mean they have been expecting her being changed around this time for like months now so obviously that's what everyone is thinking I don't blame them for jumping to this conclusion and now reacting to that this way Right, and they know that she doesn't have some rare disease. Like, I feel like that, first of all, that's not even real, like, in in the real world, but. I feel like also maybe they would have, like, filled Jacob in. Like, hey, Bella's really sick. Like, this isn't what you think it is. Like, she's really sick, and she wants to see you. Like, if it really, like, he would be able to be fine. Like, he would heal. He would not be able to get sick from this probably rare disease. She would want to see Jacob. I know that about Bella. I 100% know that she would. And so they would call him and be like, hey, Bella got like mesothelioma from from Brazil. She's dying. She wants to see you. Like they would be, they would let Jacob see her. They would be honest about that. I agree. And I also think there's a little tinge of racism in this because it's like, what the fuck are you talking about rare disease from South America? It's like a very big conversation around COVID because as we know, the former person who ran this country had a a racist approach to how he talked about it. So yeah, this is a thing in medicine. So maybe we should not do that. Yeah. Also like as if, some of the most disgusting, horrible diseases did not come from us white people. Like, as if. Yeah, literally polio was found in wastewater in New York City. I'm like, we cured that a long time ago. Let's get with it, people. Yeah, I mean, the fact that we are getting smallpox in, like, clusters in fucking Oregon, in Minnesota, in Wisconsin, like, We're all disgusting. We're the worst. Agreed. Agreed. So Jacob is thinking, like, we got to go right now. Like, we're going to go fight them. They broke the treaty. And this is kind of what we were talking about earlier. Sam is like, nope, we're not doing it. Like, you're first of all, you're not ready for this fight. You know, you won't take Bella down. You won't want one of your brothers or sister, Leah, to get hurt. And, like, we were their allies once. 
And finally, he makes his final statement on page 162. Enough, Jacob, you're overruled. Sam's mental voice changed, took on that strange double timber. Is that timber or timbre? I, I say timber. Okay. That strange double timber that we could not disobey, the voice of the alpha. He met the gaze of every wolf in the circle. The pack is not attacking the Colons without provocation. The spirit of the treaty remains. They are not a danger to our people, nor are they a danger to the people of Forks. Bella Swan made an informed choice, and we are not going to punish our former allies for her choice. I did want to see, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but like, do you think that, it, that let's say what they think is happening is actually happening, and Bella's been turned into a vampire. Do you think that that breaks the treaty that the original members of the pack laid out? No, I, I genuinely don't. I mean, Bella is an adult. She's consenting to this. She has asked for it time and time and time again. And I guess, in a way, she knows what she's signing up for. Her, she will be the only Cullen who has had the ability to consent to this. Which, like, of the fucking Cullens is insane. Um, and the treaty was that if the vampires harmed... I mean, I guess the language doesn't really allow for you to say like oh well you know her turning into a vampire isn't her being harmed i mean her, bella's definition of being changed being harmed is not that she doesn't think that it's harmful in her eyes i do want to interrupt you here because we learned from jacob in eclipse that the wording of the treaty is bite a human not harm a human all right. Well, I will say, I mean, no, I, I won't say that. In my mind, I would think that we would apply cultural relativism to agreements, to quote-unquote laws, you know, the things that were happening in the 1800s when this treaty came about are not the same things that are happening now in the 2000s. And I guess to the most, what's the word, to the most definite definition of the treaty, sure, it's being broken. But if you apply cultural relativism, which is looking at things from a current perspective, applying current perspective to past, I guess, laws or things, things of that nature. It's, it's like, it's a very common uh, topic. It's, it's very commonly brought up in the topic of uh, the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms, where that was created at a time where guns were a completely different thing than they are now. We have to apply what's going on currently to what was drawn up in the 1700s they're two completely different things so if we apply cultural relativism to what is going on in this situation it's different than what i think the agreement the treaty was trying to say i guess in the most literal of terms yes they're breaking the treaty but i think everyone here aside from jacob acknowledges that they don't 
they think it's fine. Like, even though it's weird, they understand, as Sam says, Bella's making an informed decision. She's this, this right is not just being forced onto her. She's not not consenting to it. She's asking for it explicitly. So they've all kind of accepted that, acknowledged that, like, and I think they all kind of like Bella a little bit. I mean, at least they're okay with her. So I like, even though they're quote unquote breaking the treaty, most people are okay with it. Yeah, I fully agree with you. I just wanted to see like, if you had considered the other side at all. I, when you, when you told me the actual like words of the treaty, I guess, yeah, it's being broken, but I feel like when the treaty was created, the word bites had a meaning, a definition to it. Um, that is not the same definition as this specific bite. Agreed. Agreed. So Jacob takes this about as well as you would expect. He basically pretends that he's going to take off again like he had at the end of the clips before Bella and Edward's wedding. And they're all just like, wait, don't leave. You should stay. And he's like, no. He has that long little speech that Paige mentioned earlier about like the joys of just being a wolf boy. And then at the very end, he reveals that he was hiding something. <laughs> it's so dramatic and like kind of corny. Um, I'd done it. I'd hidden what I was thinking and now it was too late for Sam to stop me. He couldn't hear me now. Sam had made a very clear ruling. The pack would not attack the Cullens. Okay. He hadn't mentioned an individual acting alone. Nope, the pack wasn't attacking anyone today, but I was. End of chapter. I'm imagining if this was an episode of Teen Wolf, this the 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 audio of him saying these lines would be playing over a, a shot of his face from like the nose up, and he's like looking down, and then when he looks back up, his eyes are like glowing wolf eyes, and then it would cut to black and say directed by whoever the director was. <laughs> yeah, that's very accurate. They did that so many times. Yeah, they did. But it was a good-ass show, so I don't care. Um, did I miss anything that you wanted to cover in this chapter? I don't think so. I, we, I mean, like you said, it was a pretty short chapter, and I think we got to the, the crux of everything. Yeah, me too. So for next week, we're going to be reading two again. And they're both very long. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> you already know the next one. Um, sure as hell didn't see that one coming. That's chapter nine. Then we're also going to read chapter 10. Why didn't I just walk away? Oh, right. Because I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the first one, I genuinely think he's going to show up to the Cullen house, ready to beat some, some cold faces in. And... They're going to be like, no, Jacob, you don't understand. You don't understand. And then he's going to hear Bella shrieking from a room. And he's going to be like, get out of my way. i got to save her. She's dying. And then he's going to pop into the room and she's going to look like she's like six months pregnant, probably. I don't know. My thought is that she's going to be very pregnant. Like, like she was visibly pregnant in the last chapter. A little visibly pregnant. I feel like she's going to be visibly pregnant because... If Charlie couldn't see her, that means that she has to look pre like there would be no way to explain it, which to me, I'm like, 
tapeworms. Very easy to explain. You'd get a bloated stomach. You'd feel horrible. You'd be throwing up. You'd be pale. Tapeworms. But I digress. So I think that's going to be the gist of that chapter. The other chapter... I... I honestly, I feel like it's just going to be a lot of just Jacob being moody. I feel like he's going to like be like in the woods contemplating things. Maybe Edward's going to jump down and they're going to have a heart to heart, the two of them. And maybe Jacob's going to try to attack him. And he's like, maybe I, sh I should have just walked away. I should have should have just left it there. Either he's going to be like really emotional slash emo or he's going to try and fight someone and regret it. Okay. All right. Outside of Jacob's like sphere of influence, like do you have predictions on like what's happening elsewhere? Like what's happening maybe with like, cause Bella had called Rosalie. That's like the last we heard, you know, so, like what's happening over there. Do you think? I feel like I feel, you know, now that you've talked about it, I bet Rosalie is like holding hands with Bella. I bet she is 100% there for her. I could totally see this, like see them, completely like being there for each other in this situation so I bet Rosalie is like she has a, a room ready for her she is taking care of her she is making sure that she feels okay she's like being basically like the vampire midwife of the century um I I'm curious how what is going on because Bella clearly wants this baby that no one else seems to want. Um, so maybe, well, maybe, m maybe Jacob is going to talk with Bella and she's going to be like, I want this baby. I want it so bad. And then Edward is going to be like, I don't want this baby. Gross. And then he's going to like feel conflicted about, I should have just walked away. Shouldn't have listened. Like, I'm on Bella's side in this. The baby should be born. I, I'm siding with Bella in this, like getting too invested in the situation. I feel like there's going to be, there's probably going to be some talk amongst everyone about whether this baby should be allowed to live or allowed to die. Interesting. Why do you say that? Oh, like just because they don't want it? Well, it seemed like at the end of the last chapter that they were going to like try and like, get it out of what she said oh, Edward said we're gonna get it out of you I took that to mean that they were gonna like not that it was gonna be like an abortion like that's the way that I read it as so I mean I guess if Bella is like super pregnant at this point like I don't know I just like I just kind of assume that like Carlisle and Edward both think that it's like too dangerous that Bella shouldn't even be allowed to carry this baby that they're trying to like find a way to get the baby out before it gets too dangerous inside of her so in my head I just assumed it was going to be like we have to do whatever's necessary to save Bella whether that whether the baby survives or not is not important gotcha why do you think it would be dangerous because of what Quare was like motioning or I guess I'm just thinking like is the like is the baby a vampire or is it not a vampire because like is Edward's sperm vampire sperm or is it human sperm I just would assume that like Edward's sperm is like a vampire 
So like this baby probably has some kind of like vampire-esque qualities. So like imagine pushing an amethyst geode out of your lady. It would rip everything asunder. I just feel like it would be dangerous to deliver a vampire baby. I feel like it would be bad. And also like if it is a vampire, would it not smell the blood and feel feral? I don't know. It just seems dangerous. Yeah. Okay. I can get where you're coming from. It's we're we're coursing into uncharted waters here. The fact that Edward was even able to impregnate a living woman is so outside the realm of understandability that like nothing makes sense so i am grasping at the smallest of straws i'm grasping at those little tiny straws that you put in coffee yeah i mean i don't blame you this would be so confusing and i also completely agree that we have long past the point of no return of understandability we were coursing that way after the car scene in twilight (laughs) It's been downhill ever since. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see what new developments you have to your straws next week. <laughs> but thank you all for joining us once again. Um, you know how to reach us. I'll go over it real quick. We are on Tumblr and Instagram at Tuesdays Are For Twilight. We are on Twitter at Taft Pod. We love to get your memes, your feedback, your thoughts. Anything on there, like anything goes. So hit us up. If you want to send us an email, you can do so at TuesdaysAreForTwilight at gmail.com. If you want to support us on Patreon, we will be doing another patron watch party at the break between when Breaking Dawn Part 1 and Breaking Dawn Part 2 were split. Meaning we'll do that when we reach that in the book. Paige is waiting for me to slip up, but it will not happen. Good luck with that, sis. And yeah, so if you want to be part of that, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Tuesdays are for Twilight. We also accept anyone who donates to the Quilly's efforts to move their cultural land to higher ground. And we really would love for you to support that great cause. All that info is at mthg.org. Paige, I once again pass it off to you. Some of life's greatest treasures are buried deep within the earth. Don't be afraid to dig, baby. Dig for those gems. Dig for those bones. Get your shovel and dig. Bye, y'all. Bye. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. Bye.